Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up, everyone? Thanks for dropping in another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. Joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Eric Von Horn. What's up, dude? <laughs> dude, as you were starting, I was just thinking, I have I have a beef with you. I don't know that you know, but but I have a I have a beef with you. Oh no. You did yep, you did something pretty bad. What's that? Um um who's gonna who's going to uh, edit and, and record your uh put your podcast and make it look nice? Uh yeah, yeah that's right. My my boy. Yeah, the guy that used to work for me technically is now like you stole him from me. Technically, that's, it's your boy's brother. On. It's your little boy's brother who. Uh, <laughs> so, so your boy, Caleb, who's, a, yep. I would say, a uh, a genius when it comes to um, just all the behind the scenes stuff that needs to go into a podcast or any social media stuff. Had a little brother that was looking to kind of get into some of this type of work, Josh, and you had connected me with Caleb. This is probably almost two years ago now. Caleb connected me with Josh. So Josh is the one that does all my video stuff. Now, Caleb has since started helping me with some other things behind the scenes, but um, behind the scenes in front of the scenes. All I know is Caleb called me up and says, Eric, I quit. I want to be an entrepreneur like you and Wes because uh, <laughs> he was inspired by you. And so then, you know, you, you, you stole them from me, but what's really just all joking aside, what's awesome. I just had a, a conversation with him a couple of days ago because I needed some stuff done. And um, I said, how are things going? Yeah. And he's like, great. And then he started telling me about the things that he's doing and, uh, and he took a risk. He quit a yes. steady paycheck yep. and, um, and is doing great. And I've had that happen multiple times with employees like that. And yeah. they know they come to work for me. You don't, it's not just working to get a paycheck, like get in here, learn something and go out and do something, do something with it. And so and that's like the coolest, the coolest yeah. feeling too. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's a little bit inconvenient at times, right? Cause you've got this great mm -hmm. person on your team and now you've got to replace them. But at the same time, it's especially in the the line of work that we're in, it's the biggest compliment you can get, right? Where someone's kind of watching you, seeing what you're doing and then actually taking that and putting it into practice in their own lives. So yeah, Caleb and, and uh, his brother, Josh are, um, you know, working together on some stuff. I know, you know, numerous clients that they're, they're doing work for and um, they, they do an amazing job. Um, I wouldn't have the, the time or the energy to even begin to do anything with these podcasts other than sit down and have the conversation. So, um, before Caleb thankful. was working with me, um, it was Michael, Michael was my, Caleb was my right-hand guy. And then before him, it was Michael was my right-hand guy. And Michael and I talk probably once a quarter and he's always like, Eric, I'm so grateful to that, for that time working with, with you. And then he's gone on to do some really cool things. So it's neat. When, it's neat with it's your neat. solo 
salons, right? Yeah. Didn't the guy running those go on yeah, to become running, a franchisee? Running those quit, quit, quit working for us and, and started his own franchises, which is, again, is, is awesome. So like, I love seeing that. I love people that um, are getting a job, don't just see it as a job, but they see it as learning a skill um, and seeing how they're managed and, and, and then do something with it. And so there's, you know, those are three entrepreneurs that used to be employees of mine that are now, all of them are doing very well as entrepreneurs. So yeah. like you said, it's the best, it's the best feeling. So I had to give you a hard time, but at the same time, it's really cool. So like anybody out there in a job, like you should, I see people in the franchise secrets, Facebook group, they'll be like, Hey, what should I do? I want to get in. I want to get involved in a business or a franchise. I'm young, don't have experience. And, and people give really good advice, like go work for somebody and, and learn something from yep. them and then get to know people and connections and all Caleb, this, you know, as, as we just think about it, Caleb had connections like working for me, you and, and other people, same yep. with Michael, Michael had some connections to be able to get out and do his own thing. And then actually went a completely different route. And then Mirko, he wouldn't have been able to do it if he didn't have those connections. Um, he combined his connections in the real estate world with connections in the franchising world and was able to raise money to do his own franchises, which is yeah, awesome. Brilliant, Still has but, those today. Yeah. But without that, uh, exposure, you know, to the franchise side of it may have been a path that, that he never ended up going down. And I mean, we were just chatting before we started recording on chatting, you know, meaning the, 40, 45 yeah. minutes of, of talking. <laughs> yeah, we were like, maybe, maybe we should actually record a podcast too. Um, but the the power of of networking and you know building a network and how in turn you know that makes you more valuable to the other people that you're around because I think a lot of people don't do this the right way when they think about networking they're always thinking about what's in it for me you know I want to get to that person because I want to get something from them or they can help me level up and you know that's probably always a part of someone's intention for networking but like you're, you're probably the best networker I know. And you're also one of the best people at making sure you're giving value. Um, and, and there's no doubt in my mind, those two things go hand in hand. You're very well networked because you understand the importance of, you know, transferring as much value as you can before you ever ask or expect anything in return. I will not give names. I'll give numbers. Either I'll give names or numbers and I'll give numbers on this because I had a conversation with somebody yes, uh, two days ago about this kind of thing. I'm like, man, you're such a good networker. And he reminded me of something. But but I connect. I said, hey, you're in Nashville and you're in Nashville. Let me get you both connect. You know, one was from Austin. One was from Nashville. I'm like, let me get you guys connected because you have a, a short a period of time where you could probably meet each other in um, in Franklin. And so I got these two connected. One probably um, making ten million dollars um, in uh, in their mastermind and business. Uh, the other one um, is making, I believe, uh, he's going to have gross about fifteen and net about uh, eleven this year, eleven million. So I'm like, hey, you guys are both really good friends of mine. You guys need to meet. Yeah. And they only had about a half an hour to meet, but they knew if I was making that introduction that they should really try to meet. Um, and they did. And one of them was actually coaching with Michael Hyatt. I don't know if you know who Michael Hyatt is. I know but, the name. Um, yeah. Yep. 
So he was coaching with Michael and he's like, Hey, this other guy who lives in Franklin, you should come to this uh, meeting. I'll bring Michael with me. And then Michael's like, Hey, Oh, you have a lake house on this house. And he's like, yeah, I'm on this street. And they're on the same street <laughs> where they both have lake houses. And these aren't little lake houses, little, I'm cabins. sure not. These are no. beautiful, Franklin, but now Tennessee. they're friends. And, um, and then, so I asked my, my, my one friend, I'm like, dude, you were so good at networking. He's like, Eric, the best thing about networking, it goes to your point. He's like, you connect to people and you don't want anything in return, yeah. but yet you're the person that networked them. He's like, yeah, there's the at least thing. no expectation, right? It's just this kind of understanding that it'll all come back around at yeah. some point, right? It may not be always a direct reciprocation, but if you're, you're just genuinely trying to make good connections and and help people out it's always going to come back around at some point in some way that's it and we had uh one of our brands today um was like hey we're thinking about hiring this marketing agency to do some stuff for us i'm like well what's the name jeff uh jeff her sent that to me in a text i'm like well let, i've never heard of that let me let me see and then i in i uh, sent two people, very well-respected people in franchising and especially in the marketing space. Have you heard of these people? And they're like, no, I've never heard of them. So, and they didn't have any names on the website. So my thought is either they're really good because, you know, they, they, they're they just kind of under the radar, but really good, or they're not really good and they're hiding some stuff. And I don't know yeah. what the answer is, but I do know the people that can help me get to the right answer. So I found That's out right. who the founders are and um, now I can do some, some recon, but my immediate thing is I'm not going to go Google and research everything. I'm going to find, I'm just going to go directly to some friends of mine. And yeah, and exactly. Um, that's, that's a really good example. So speaking of your brands, um, let's, let's give a quick reminder to the audience of, of who you are, by the way, <laughs> you're the, you're the first person to three Pete on the path to freedom podcast. Um, so, and one of the, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, you giving advice and, and always being a value add, you were probably the first person I called for advice when I was thinking about starting a podcast and you were very generous with your, your time and advice and have continued to be since then. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, first, first person to three Pete, I'm, I'm pretty certain in that if there's been a handful of people that have been on twice, but pretty sure you're the first uh, three-peater, which is really cool. But part of that's because you're always up to really cool stuff. Um, and since the last time you were on, I think last time you were on was probably almost two years ago, you had just gotten back from Ukraine or the border. Okay, that's right. You were over there, you know, helping out. And, you know, I had a chance to, to talk to you after you got back. And I was like, dude, let's do a podcast on this and just tell people what you've been doing. And, you know, the fact that you're an entrepreneur and have all these different revenue streams is what puts you in a position to kind of pick up short notice, go halfway across the world and spend the better part of a month or so helping out people in need. You've been up to a lot since then, right? And for those watching this, you've got your, your new company's hat on, Front Street Equity Partners. So let's let's talk about Front Street Equity Partners. What are you guys doing over there and how did it kind of come about? We I think it was around that time I I went to Poland was on the border. We we're really just helping I was kind of eyes and ears on the ground for some sex trafficking stuff that was that happens in situations like that. And so Front Street was in its infancy there. 
um, there were three of us partners, me, Jeff, her, and Jim Jaggers that had kind of all exited at different times in the past, you know, year, two years. And we're like, what do we want to do next? Cause we could all go all with the background and in, in franchising, right? That was kind of the common. Yeah. Tie. We had, we all had deep backgrounds in franchising different, but, but very like strong backgrounds in franchising for almost about 20 years each. And we're like, what do we want to do next? Like what? Are, and, and it really came down to what do we enjoy? Cause if we're going to do this, probably the last thing that we do, maybe the last thing that we do in franchising, what do we want to do? And we knew one thing, it had to be something that we all found enjoyable. Yeah. And, and not a, a grind. We didn't want to grind and we wanted things that would to take from our experiences in franchising things to do things better and to do things differently and, um, and to do things that were kind of aligned with the brand. And so we, um, we had a lot of conversations. Um, the, first and foremost, we're strategic advisors. And really what that looks like is uh, we help the brand from where they are today to a successful exit in, in a period of time, wherever they're going to have that successful exit or the founder decides they want to exit or it just makes sense. Um, but it's all founder led. They get to make that decision. We don't, but we help them get to that where they are today to a, a very good place in business where they can exit. And we kind of do that in, in a compressed timeframe. In other words, where a brand might need 10 years to get to that point where they could reach a certain amount of, of money for that exit value, um, we want to do that in probably a third of the time. Um, and, and that leads to an option for them. Because a lot of times when you are growing at a good, healthy rate and, the, and you're going up and to the right, it's a good time to sell versus, you know, when you start to peak or something yeah, like that. Yeah, or plateau so even. Yeah. So there's yeah. times when you want that, um, when you want that inflection point and it just makes sense to exit. And there's times when the, the franchise or uh, the founder is not ready to continue to do it. Maybe they're they They have other things to do or they um, life changes or. Uh, they're just, you know, uh, they're not the right person to lead to that next phase of that, of that company. So that's really in essence, what we do. There's a lot that is packed into advising a brand from yeah, where they are yeah. today to an exit, but we are in the trenches, helping them every step of the way. Like we'll, we'll get on phone calls on a Saturday and a Sunday with these brands. Emergency comes up, let's deal with it. Um, we are, we are, we are with them every step of the way. Yeah, you're. I mean, it seems like you're you're really well positioned to kind of customize your your services and your level of involvement with a brand based on where that brand is and and what they really need and and where they're maybe not as strong. Because um, I know out of the brands you're you're partnered with today, you know, some of them you're helping out with everything from lead generation in terms of new franchisee sells to the actual, you know, franchise sales process. Uh, whereas others, it's more of a bigger picture strategic kind of partnership. And they already have some of those other pieces in place internally. So, and to me, that's, that's interesting because, you know, there's, there's been a lot of these, what we call FSOs or franchise sales organizations pop up over the last, you know, five or six years. And, a lot of them are all very similar in the sense that they just sign with a brand that they think has big growth potential and they help them sell a lot of units in a very short period of time. 
but there's not as much emphasis on the the strategy piece of it. There's not as much emphasis on hey, is this brand is this brand operationally sound and in a position to support all of these new franchisees that they're bringing on. Seems like you guys are are much more strategic in nature. But you know, talk talk on that point a little bit. Yeah. Not that I'm comparing you to an FSO, but like where are the areas that that you guys would really say you differ the most from some of these firms that a brand could partner with just to help sell more franchises? We I'll go back just a little bit because at at first we just really focused on that strategic advisory and we hadn't we didn't have any brands yet, but we like we also are either going to manage that relationship with that salesperson that they have, that franchise development person, or manage that relationship with an FSO. And then we're like, what would be ideal is to offer our our in-house FSO where we are aligned with the brand on bringing in the right candidates and growing at a pace that is right for the brand at the stage that they're in uh, that particular year or quarter. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we looked around the room, me, Jeff and Jim, like Jeff and I were like, we could sell, we could get back into franchise development because we'd done it before we, you know, we were pretty dang good at it. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but we didn't, we didn't want to do that. That was, we just didn't excite us. It's a big so time like, better- commitment. And it's kind of going back to that grind that you had said you guys knew you wanted to avoid. Yeah. We want to avoid that. So we're, so we went on a search and we ended up um, bringing in a fourth partner, equal partner, uh, Bobby Brennan, um, who was with an FSO before and really helped that FSO out. Well-known FSO. There's a lot of good FSOs out there, Um, but we wanted to bring in. uh, So Bobby came a part of the team. So we have front street, you know, it's basically front street, the, the, the franchise sales arm of it. And we do that only for our brands. We won't do it. We're not doing it for anybody else, but just for our brands. And, uh, and the reason that we want, we, we offer that to our brands is because it's hard to find, you know, good salespeople and we've been there, done that before. So the difference that, that we've found now, like we are actually doing it we're in it. We are very, uh, we get somebody that wants to buy a 12 pack or 20 pack or, uh, you know, what, however big it is, we're much more like, Hmm, are we sure we want, we want this. And we talked to the founder we're like, we're much more concerned about these people opening versus trying to get, trying to get a deal done or deal. Of yeah. A on size. paper, it looks great. Sounds great. But three years into that, uh, you know, you could feel very differently and and wish that you wouldn't have sold that much to one person. I mean, that's, that's such a good example. Cause I'm sure some people listening to this are like, okay, you know, Eric, you guys have franchise experience. That's great. But how are you going to take a brand and, you know, cut the timeline down to a third of what it would typically take for them to build the brand to the point to where they could exit if they wanted to and getting the franchise sales or, or franchise recruiting process, right. In terms just the process, right. Especially for a young brand that doesn't have a lot of franchisees yet, it's challenging to sell franchises, even more challenging to bring in the right types of franchisees. And that's where a lot of brands really almost, implode before they have a chance to really get going is because you know they got some bad apples in that first bunch of franchisees and kind of ruins it for everyone so to me that's that's like the perfect example of where you guys can bring your experience and knowledge 
And then a guy like Bobby, who I know pretty well, and, I mean, talk about a guy that understands the franchise sells and the franchise buying process and how to, you know, effectively but also very transparently take someone through that due diligence process that they should be going through as they evaluate a franchise. Um, that's that's just an area that the vast majority of brands need us so much help in. And there's, there's so many landmines that they could step on. And as we talked to the, we talked to at least 150 brands a year and the common, the common language that we hear from them is we don't know what we don't know. And then we start finding out what they do know and what they've done with what they think they know. And they're like, we're like, shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't have one territory in Austin. You shouldn't have sold, you know, the state of, you know, Texas to one, to one person. Why are yeah. your franchise fees so low? You know, yeah. and they think that they think franch low franchise fees mean better for the franchisee. And while having, you know, the mindset is helping them on cash flow is better for the franchisee. That's true. But what about the franchise or helping the franchisee get in an ROI on their investment? Like let's do that versus trying to, you know, penny pinch for the, for the franchisee. So yeah. you know, we're always thinking, how can that, how can new franchisees, existing franchisees, ROI and whatever it is, the royalty, the payment, what are the, the fees, uh, whatever, whatever it is. And what's interesting, Wes, um, you know, some people in franchising can get jaded because, you know, they hear they, they get mad at their franchisor because their franchisor was doing this or doing that, or they just want more money or whatnot. Talking to so many brands, many brands that we'll never work with, but we help out a little bit. They care so much about their franchisees yeah. and they're like, we want help to help our franchisees. They don't want to partner with front street just to line their pockets. Although, you know, there's a, there, there's a part that that's part of it to have a nice exit, yeah. but they, they care about their franchisees and they care about their franchisees success. And it's so refreshing to be on the front end of a brand where their founders are just obsessed with franchisees success and health and happiness and while they grow that brand. So that that's something I think that's probably surprising for me that so many brands, so many founders uh, really care about their franchisees. Yeah, they're not just looking at their franchisees as you know, a cash register for themselves. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've seen it with brands that, you know, are, are smaller and the founders intimately involved and they've got, you know, very strong personal relationships with the franchisees. And so, yeah, they really want to see them succeed. You know, one of the brands we own, you know, you know, we got the brand got acquired by this big conglomerate about three years ago that owns a lot of brands and, let me tell you what, there's none of that, right? We went from like knowing the founder and CEO and, you know, texting with him on a regular basis, like considered him a, a friend as well as a, a mentor and a business partner to now the CEO is just a guy that has worked for this company for 25 years and he's a company man and there's none of that. And I'm not saying they don't care, but they don't care the way the founder of that brand cared. Very different. Very different. One of the things that I think that sets us apart too, um, and it's just the way that we like to do business is we don't charge any retainers. So there's no there's no monthly fee that they pay. They pay us. It's all performance based. 
you know, with charge like a typical FSO, um, our, our big paydays at the end when the brand, when a brand, you know, has a nice payday themselves. We I was going to say, cause it's, I mean, it's in your name, your, your equity partners with them, yeah. right? You're taking a, a piece of the company, which is that mutual alignment. Right. And I think yeah. that's important because, you know, performance based is great, but when we're talking franchising and if the performance metric is number of franchises sold and nothing beyond that that doesn't necessarily mean that the long there's long-term alignment between the sales organization and the brand, right? Because brand just wants to get as many franchisees in as they can. It's the franchisor's problem. What happens to those franchisees once they've signed, right? Um, you guys are long-term partners. And as you said, you know, your opportunity for a bigger payday comes if and when there's a successful exit for the founders, which means you're very, very motivated and very, very aligned to make sure not only are you helping them grow and, and helping them add franchises, but doing it with the right people that are going to be successful long-term with the brand. That's it. And I think a lot of these brands, they, it's it, it, one of the things that we've, um, you always kind of know you want, you really want a good founder. You want a good jockey. And I think that's just becoming more and more, um, it's very important to us. I'll just say that it's very important to us. That founder is, uh, is key. And as you, now you and I, we listen to all kinds of different podcasts and read different stuff out there. And I, when I hear someone talk about how important the jockey is, I just, I listen to that. And I want to learn from somebody that's talking about the jockey and not just the horse. Um, because I was listening, I think it was the all in podcast, which is a great podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, they were, they were talking about that because they do, those guys do a lot of investment more on the tech side of things, but they're talking about the jockey. Yeah. We're the, we're the same when we are talking to brands, we're like, you know, this founder, they, some of these founders, Wes, they don't even want to be a franchise or anymore. They're just like, I don't, I don't want, I've got five franchisees and I hate them all. We're like, this is not going to be a good thing for us. Yeah. Or they're like, we don't really want to work on, in the business. Like we just want, we just want a good payday. We're like, they're if the founders, not all in. If they're not passionate about their brand, if they're not all in and they're not ready to sacrifice. Here's the thing. These founders that we like, they're like, we will sacrifice a payday for ourselves in the short term to build something that's strong in the long term. Yeah, they're playing the long game. Yep, they're playing the long game. And so when we hear a founder that's like, you know, I haven't I haven't made a pay I haven't paid myself in 2 years while I've been building this thing cuz there's not money to pay pay myself. Everything's going out. Well, we're yeah. building a big brand here. Yeah. That's why, you know, we we like founders like that that are just involved and you know, we're dealing with one right now. He's got <laughs> discovery day we're going out to a discovery day um out at her place um um next week sometime and then she's got two other ones back to back and then we were talking to another founder that that's one of our brands and and she's like you guys we got we're doing another discovery day she's like it's our dis it's like you guys aren't even going to be here it's the first one without you guys because it was a kind of a one-off and so we were teasing her like no nope, this is a vip discovery day because it's there all you go. founder yeah um but you know they are all in. They're doing whatever it takes to uh, to win and to win for their franchisee. So I love so that. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. 
Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. So when you talk about whatever it takes, like what, what in your experience, what are the, the couple of things that the founder should really be focused on and spending most of their time on? And then, you know, what are the things that the founder should be delegating and is not going to be the best use of their time? Because I think this is another pitfall that a lot of founders probably fall into is they're trying to wear too many hats and and they're not always spending their time on the things that they can have the most impact on. So to you, like, what are those what are those things that the founder and only the founders really in a position to focus on and delegate everything else? So I'm holding up a book and I'm just keeping this on my desk rocket fuel because I want founders to understand who they are. Like all of our founders are visionaries. They are definitely visionaries in the book rocket fuel, the EOS model. There's visionaries and integrators or visionaries and operators yeah. and they need to understand each other. So I want a founder that understands that, uh, you know, they are there to make really smart decisions and they are there to hire people that are smarter than them in all kinds of areas. And, and they've, they've, they've kind of done everything up to, up to a certain point, including operations. And most visionaries, most founders are not like the most amazing at operations. Yeah. So I love it when a founder's no. like, Hey, like I want to bring in a, 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 uh, a fractional COO or bring on a full-time COO or director of operations. And then I want a founder that can empower that person and not micromanage that person. Um, and so I, I, we look for that in our founders. We want someone that can, that can identify good talent and let that talent take over and, um, and, and, and not micromanage them. Look for founders that, um, that can handle conflict. You know, as conflict yeah. comes up in, with with maybe it's with us, maybe it's with their their the C level leadership or vendors or franchisees, and if they can handle conflict, that's always a a really good thing. 
because once you get someone that just hides from conflict or they are, or they're always looking for conflict, you don't, you don't want that. That's, that's, that's going to be a challenge for a brand. If you have a founder that, that, that is like that. So, you know, those are some of the things that, that we're looking for. Um, Founders that are just, they, they love their business. Like they are, they, they want, they want to see their, 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 their name everywhere. And they want it to have a good name. They're obsessed with client satisfaction. They want a high net promoter score. They want happy employees. They want happy franchisees. Um, you know, uh, they, they want to, they can see the big picture as well. You know, we can, we can lay out the timeline. We can lay out what, what it's going to take to get from here and how the staff grows and how you need to hire different vendors. And the dollars keep adding up. As you look at that, the dollars keep adding up and they're just, they're they're focused on the prize, which is, you know, either good cash flow at a certain point, or it is an exit. And either way is a win for us at Front Street, whether they are just going to continue to cash flow that brand or they are going to have an exit. But if they can just keep their eye on the prize and 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 have that longer term, medium term focus to get through the, the first year, two, three, five years to get to that point, um, that's, that's another thing that we look for. Yeah, because e- either way, it requires long-term vision and discipline, you know, on the founder's part, especially when it comes to their expectations for what they're going to get compensated. Cause you know, what a lot of people don't realize with franchising, number one, the franchise fees are usually not a profit center for the franchisor, the initial franchise fees that someone pays when they sign and become a franchisee. And like right now, I believe all the brands you guys are partnered with are brick and mortar concepts of, of some variety. Right. So when you have that, you know, you're, you're signing a franchise, you're getting them open in all likelihood somewhere between six to 12 months after they've signed. Right. So the, the real revenue stream for any franchisor is the royalties, which is a percentage of revenue. Right. So like even from day one of selling franchises, it's a pretty long tell before you have any revenue coming in from those franchises. And then obviously you have to train support the, the franchisees in a manner so that they can grow and scale the business to a point where, you know, your royalty, your small percentage of their total revenue is amounting to anything meaningful. So this is not a get rich quick uh, strategy at all, but you need, and like, I mean, especially lately in the news, there's just been so many stories of founders of brands getting very, very wealthy from exiting. But so I think a lot of a lot of people probably see that. I would imagine that's spurred a lot of interest in people that have business to say, well, man, maybe we should be thinking about franchising. Did you see the type of multiple that that company got when when they sold their brand? They were they were a franchise. Um, so. I could I could see there being maybe some some disillusions amongst some yeah. founders in terms of like how quickly uh their their financial well-being is going to change um after they start start franchising the business. I want to ask you about this. How important do you think it is for a founder to be to be a personality, like someone that can build a personal brand alongside of the brand? to help grow the brand, right? So think about like 
fit body boot camp, right? We're both fans of Bedros yep. Kulian and and I think you you know Bedros a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I would argue that fit body boot camp is where it is today because Bedros built his personal brand and then brought fit body boot camp along with him. Um and there's other examples of that out there. Is that something you guys look for or is that just kind of a nice to have if it if it happens to to be there? in addition to everything else that you're looking for. I think, I think it's nice to have, because I think it's hard to find that. Yeah. I'm friends with, with Bedros. I have a lot of respect for him and he's spent a lot of time, money and energy on his personal brand. And, and he's got a great personal brand and, um, and I've learned a lot from him. So he's a friend and he's a great guy. And, I, and, and what was cool about Bedros is he was able to step aside and let Bryce yeah. come in and um, and take that thing over, which is really smart uh, for yeah. him because Bedros is a pure visionary. But like, if we could have a brand with a, um, we were looking at some brands that had some pretty big personality like that, like a good a good personal brand. We're like, boy, this person would be would be a great face of the brand. And um, I don't think we're going to move forward to that brand, but we love that because you can do so much for that on social yeah. media yeah. and uh, and whatnot. So I think that's a bonus for us because- It could also create some challenges that you don't have there with someone that's not as big of a yes. personality at the helm. And and it ta- and the other thing, it creates a challenge on the exit because sometimes yeah. if the brand's been built around a personality, it's, it's really hard. And I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that's part of it with Bedros. If he ever did want an exit, it can't be built around him. And that's a lot um, uh, with these online influencers and these personalities online. They make a lot of money. They're really good, but it's their, it's them and they are the brand. So it's not nearly as, as sellable. And it goes to your point, like, you know, with the, a lot of people are hearing big multiples um, on these franchise brands. The latest big one I heard is a 30X. I hadn't heard a 30X, but I, I haven't heard a 30, friend of mine. A 25. Friend of mine, yeah, a friend of mine uh, said he sold at 30X to a big family of brands. Um, and it wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't making like a $500,000 or a million dollars a year. It, it got caught on this where it's just rocket ship growth it was that inflection point and that's yeah. what that's what you want to look for and that's when you can get that higher multiple when when there's a lot that goes into that but when we look at helping our brands get to that point we look at online sales we look at all kinds of different things that are revenue streams besides just the the royalty and by the way revenue streams that don't hurt franchisees like none of we are not a fan and our brands aren't a fan of revenue streams that hurt the franchisee yeah i like how you way, you put it earlier, we said ROI for the franchisees investment, right? So that's the upfront investment, but also their ongoing investments in yeah. the fees that they're paying. Any fees they're paying shouldn't hurt the bottom line. It should it should help. We also look at Dave Ramsey too, to go back to like a personality. Dave Ramsey has a has a massive business that's probably that's not very sellable. But then he yeah. like realized this is not very sellable and it's not going to live much longer when he goes away, when he passes away. 
And yeah. so that's when they started to shift and to do these different personalities within within the Dave Ramsey brand, and yeah. um, and that was very intentional. So I've just I've been around to the uh, around a lot of these influencers, and it's great. It's great to get to get stuff on the front end, and for them to do selling coaching programs and masterminds and all this. But but it's not nearly as sellable. So that's why I don't know that it's as important for a franchise. Uh, franchise or now I do think what's interesting are people like Drew Brees and others that are coming in and they yeah. are part of part of other 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 brands and Drew I think you are your friends with with some of Drew's business partners and yeah. they just actually bought a pickleball concept and they're doing that yeah. together and they're um, and Drew, I think, you know, you get a personality that's part of your brand. Now we just did something, Drew did something else with another friend of mine in their brand. Um, and I, and I just saw that happen. So I think I would rather probably, if I'm wanting to have some influence, I'd probably like bring people like that into Yeah. Like partner with someone that can, can leverage their, their personal brand and their following, but that the business is not necessarily built around. Yeah. They're just coming in like as an addition to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because and it's and, not all built around them. And then, yeah. you know, there, and then it's a contract, there's a contract with that person and it comes, you know, wh whatever that looks like. And then you can always do another one that works. Let's do, let's do another one. So private equity comes in and they're like, Oh, what private equity wants to increase value once they take it over and what levers yeah. can they pull? Oh, they can get Drew Brees number two or number three and, and, and increase things a certain way. Look or at however Papa they John's it. is a really good yeah. example of that. Like I started doing a little short little segment where I'm just doing like a quick spotlight of like celebrity or professional athletes that have done a lot in, in franchising. So I just did one on Shaquille O'Neal and uh, in part of my research for that, he, I forget the number of, of units, but he owns some Papa John's franchises yeah. and he's a pretty seasoned franchise yeah. investor at this point. But in addition to however many, you know, Papa John's locations he owns and the money that he makes off of that, he signed an eight and a half million dollar contract with Papa John's for them to use his name and likeness to help market the brand. They've done it with Peyton Manning. They've done it with, you know, a lot of other professional athletes that are involved as franchisees. So that's really, I mean, it's working in their favor, but it's working in Papa John's favor too, because they're getting these high profile franchisees, helping them grow the brand, but then they're using their, their name, their likeness, their following yep. to market as the leverage. The, yeah massive leverage yeah um one of the other things probably are um just to kind of wrap up like what we look for in founders because every go back and listen to this everything that i said what we look for in founders is what buyers should look for in founders as well so we've been talking about like what we look for but it's the same thing uh if i was a buyer that i would be looking for and kind of one of the most important things that i didn't mention um, is they, we want them to be teachable and coachable. We want them to be humble. We mm -hmm. want them to like, we love it when they say, we don't know what we don't know. And we want, when we want to learn from, from you guys. And it's the shortcut. We're the easy button. We're the shortcut. We're not the only easy button or shortcut out there. Cause there's other people that yeah. know the types of things that we know, but if, but if we're working with this a brand, like, and they're teachable and coachable, which is what we want. 
then we can really quickly look at something and like your franchise fee is too low. Let's change it. Your territories are too big. Let's change it. Or maybe your territories are not big enough because mm-hmm. you you're not taking into account how big your actual personal locations are and the reach that they have. You probably need to have bigger territories to have a more accurate item 19 in the FDD. So let's get that fixed. Yeah. Um, you know, so those are some of the things uh, that teachable and coachable is really high on our list. So if you're listening to this and you're a buyer, go back and listen to the, to the, to the list and the things that Wes and I were talking about that we look for as Wes and I look for in founders that were like, Oh, this is a great founder because you want that founder. You might, you'll be living with them for, you know, probably not the, the, the rest of your life as a franchisee there. Cause they will probably be gone at some point, Yeah, but, but you're going to be there for a while while you build your business. And I would say, Let's say you go to a private equity company after that, and it might be a good one. It might be a bad one, but it really doesn't. I mean, at that point, doesn't matter so your much. business. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah it's not going to impact it that much one way yeah. or the other. Spot on. That's like, cause I I've heard people kind of on the other end of this piece of advice you're giving saying, don't pick a brand based on the founder, because there's a good likelihood that that founders exit stage left at some point, which is true, but your point is, you know, whoever's at the helm when you're getting started as a franchisee is going to be much more influential on, you know, whether you're successful or not than when you're a five or six year franchisee that's got it figured out. And and now the original founders out and private equity comes in. Like, I mean, the example I gave with our, our brand, you know, we're coming up on six years of owning that. So we were pretty established, pretty good at the business already when that acquisition happened. Like it hasn't hurt us, you know, it's just different now, but it doesn't really matter in terms of our business's success, our profitability, our livelihood that comes from that business. Um, you know, but the the value we got from the founder when we were just getting started and we were brand new, invaluable. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like, it's like a grand opening as a, we're obsessed at front street. We're obsessed with our franchisees in the, in our brands, having really good grand openings because Mm -hmm. it's hard to overcome a weaker grand opening. And I'm not saying all of ours are going to have amazing grand openings, but it's something that we're, that we're very focused and obsessed on so we can help them get better and better the next grand opening should be better than the last one. That's how, that's how we look at it. And so, um, you know, the same thing for a franchisee, if you're early on in a brand, you want to have the best chance to get, uh, to, to have a really good start. And that's what that founder is going to do. They're going to make good decisions. They're going to have good people around them. They're going to be teachable. They're going to be coachable. They're going to realize their own strengths, their own weaknesses and hire for their weaknesses and focus on their strengths to give you that first, you know, that first two or three or five years as a jump start. So it doesn't matter if good private equity or bad private equity comes in, it's not going to matter much one way or the other, because you have already got a start. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, this is a good conversation. I mean, we started yeah. out with a 45 minute conversation on ice baths and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that was, and now, and that now was a good conversation. Like a fun too. conversation. This, this will, uh, we'll, we'll have to launch like a separate biohacking, uh, you know, <laughs> podcast or, or channel or something where we can, can riff on that sort of thing as it's fun too. But the, so the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, these brands that you're working with, that you're talking to are most of them, 
brand new to franchising, like just getting started, haven't sold a franchise yet, have a handful. I know one of the brands you're working with right now is a little further along um, in terms of number of franchises that they have open and that they've sold. Like, do you guys have a sweet spot that you're looking for? Or is it really just about, you know, opportunity for you guys to plug in and, and add value? I'd say it's opportunity to plug in and add value. If I had to, if you pin me down for a number, I'd say less than a hundred. One of our brands oh, didn't okay. have, they didn't even have, like they hadn't sold any franchises. We came in and yeah. like, it's great. You haven't sold any. Now we got a fresh slate. And that brand has been attracting some of the most high quality, just amazing caliber of franchisee. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, you were telling me really? that, which I was yeah. kind of not like surprised to hear, but it was it was cool to hear. Do you want to do you want to share the brands that you're partnered with currently? Yeah, that brand that we just that I just shared about attracting amazing franchisees is called GoGlo, G O G L O W, and yeah. it's like boutique, uh, you know, um, airbrush. Uh, uh, tanning, a spray tan, healthy. It's like a skincare company, but in the tanning space. So Mel uh, is the founder of that and has like the franchisees are just coming from like European wax, which is a great, strong brand sold out yeah. around the country. So yeah. don't even bother going to look because it's sold out. But you know, when you get brand franchisees from brands like that, and there's their um, franchisees from other brands there too, but high net worth, um, uh, individuals are are flocking to that brand like yeah that says like, something when it's yeah. when it's attracting and and not just attracting like oh interesting concept let me go take a look at it no not for me they're signing their franchisees yep. um you know these are sophisticated experienced operators they know what they want in a franchise um you know for someone on on my side of the table i hear those types of stories you've got my attention right like that's I know that's, yeah. that's a brand to be, to be watching. 100%. That's how I was too. Um, yeah. Then uh, they've got, I don't think that they're closed yet and they're, they're not really a franchisee, but it's an organic, uh, organic lead. And um, they're with one of the top wellness franchises, like a large wellness franchise. And they are the top franchisee there from oh, wow. size and just uh, respect and making money. They're the best. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so they're, they're coming on board. Um, so that's, so that's fun, but she didn't have any franchises. And then we got involved with that. Um, the other ones, Magnolia soap and bath. Um, we like that one. They had that, I think they had about 30 open and yeah. a lot in development. And that's a cool um, business. Yeah. It's a cool one. This is just a, it's such a great, and she's just, she loves the product and she's, she's just one of those founders that's just all in as well. But, um, but that's attracting a, a lot of, uh, um, they got a lot, a diverse group of franchisees and franchisees of other brands and they're, and, and they've got some, yeah, they've got some amazing numbers on that one. That's all on the item 19, you know, all about that as you can, yeah. you've dug into that, but, but that one is just steady and growing and, and in small towns. And so that was super yeah. interesting to us too. Cause like, oh man, this started out in a town of like 5,000 people or less. Yeah. And it did. What kind of numbers? Like yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, um, so it works in, in small markets, which reminds me of the tax business, the tax business, we were in small markets. And so we liked that. Um, and then the, the other one that we have is Hawaii fluid art and that founder is all, and she's obsessed with her employees and, and, and customers and just the, the brand and the culture. And they have was just on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Maya. 
And yeah, so right. she, um, they have think, uh, I don't, can't remember how many it is right now, but by the end of the year, they will have, um, they'll probably double when what they started the year at and probably be close to, um, 80 to a hundred franchises said- open shooting to to have around 100 open by the end of the year um and and cool business um yeah she she was great to talk to on the podcast um i mean i had a couple of people reach out to me like right after hearing the podcast and and they're over there looking at it now um people, so and she's the one that i mentioned earlier like oh we're you know we have a, a, a discovery day and it's full and there's still people that needed to come wanted to come and so she's doing two other discovery days back to back right after that one yeah and what i love about her too is success um in her first location and then and then she's like i have something here and then she started one up in Kansas City to make sure that it was kind of good all around. And so again, delayed gratification, not thinking you have lightning in a bottle, but let's yeah. let's test it and see how it works. And so I love a founder that's ready to do that, not ready just to think like, oh, I've got it. Let's go, let's go franchise this thing. Cause man, there are many companies out there will say it's, it's franchisable. Let's franchise this thing because they make mm-hmm. their money franchising mom and pop businesses. But someone with the patience to do that is uh, is great. And they'll probably be, yeah, they'll, you know, I, I said 80 because I kind of like to be on the safe side sometimes, but um, but 80 to 100 by the by the end of the year. And so that's going to be a fun one. So I'm going to I'm going out to Vegas next week and I'll be at my first discovery day and I'll get my first my first art art art. Uh, uh, deal done. I'll have to well, show it to you. We'll and probably it see it on the wall podcast. behind you. Yeah, yeah. Next, next time we talk, that'll be, and nice. if you don't, it's because it was a disaster. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she told me that it's like almost impossible to mess one of these things up because if they see that it's not going to come out so well, they come over and they give you a little extra attention and, um, you know, help you get it to where it's at least something you want to take home with you. But, um, Wes, you just destroyed it for me. Cause I was thinking I'll be the guy that's like doing, I'm be screwing it up. I don't know. I'm going to screw it up. And they'll be like, Oh, Eric, let me help you. So I'll probably get all kinds of attention, but I'll know why I'm getting you know, that you'll attention. Know, yeah. And now you'll be like, hang out with me. dang it, Wes, you, uh, <laughs> you ruined this for me. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good group of brands. I know you guys are talking to a lot of other brands and I'm sure over the the course of the next, uh, you know, six months or so, we'll be hearing some cool announcements of, uh, new brands that, that you guys have partnered with. So, uh, let me say this to your listeners. Like if you hear me talk about these brands or anybody talk about brands on Wes's podcast, you need to instant message him, DM him email him, do something is like, Hey, I just heard about this on your podcast, Wes. I want to know about this brand. Cause I know that you can immediately kind of tell them if it's available or not available and can, can really direct them in, in the best way. But like the worst thing is going to not the worst, but a thing that a lot of people do is they just go onto the website right away and just start typing stuff in. And then they're disappointed because it's not really available or, you know, things like, Hey, they're about ready to sell this. And so you can kind of, you know, you can kind of help people out without them wasting a bunch of time. So yeah, you just, I needed to say track. that. Yes. Well, I, and I, I very much appreciate it. Cause that, you know, that does happen. And, you know, look, if I can, help a brand get on some people's radar and and they go straight to the brand. That's great, but definitely I can save a few steps, let them know if territory is available, you know, and, and you, we've also been in this line of work long enough, Eric, we know that a lot of times people are attracted to a brand because of the widget, but 
doesn't always mean it's the right franchise for them either. And so that's where, you know, someone like myself can really, you know, help and add value is, Hey, let's, let's talk through what your goals are, what you really want to get out of owning a franchise. And then that's going to give us what we need to put some really strong options in front of you. And it very well could be that one of these brands you heard about on a podcast that piqued your interest is one of those options, but it's not always necessarily the case. So um, I'm happy to talk to anyone that, that has questions or wants to learn more. Um, And, and I know, know you are as well. And I want to make sure we remind people of, of your podcast, the franchise secrets podcast, Um, you know, one of probably the best podcasts out there on franchising. Um, you've got your Facebook group, a free Facebook group, uh, mastermind groups. Um, what what else would you want to point people to if they want to want to check out more? That's pretty good, man. Just go to franchisesecretsgroup.com if you want to get a cool Facebook group with good franchising people in there, buyers yeah. and franchisors. And, and franchise. most of these people have so much else going on too, right? There's all, I mean, real estate investors. I mean, it's yeah. just a lot of savvy people that are always looking to a lot of good advice. I don't let riffraff in that group. I don't let riffraff in that group. The last thing is scalable franchise. If you want to just kind of see what my world's about, scalable franchise or front street EP dot com front street ep is french uh front street equity partners yeah we'll link all that in the show notes to make it easy for people to find too but um eric man appreciate you and uh all the time you've been willing to spend with me over the years and and all the advice that you've given and thanks for making time to uh come on and share some of your your insight and knowledge with the audience as well the feelings mutual i love what you've done with the podcast i love it when people can have access to really good information like what you give them, but then just being a stand-up guy, someone that's completely trustworthy, someone that's not in it just for a dollar, someone that has experience like you do with running franchises yourself. Good and bad. <laughs> I was just gonna say good, good and, and bad. bad. So that's yeah. why you're one of the top brokers in the country. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, man. Much appreciated. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.